For three years, the disciples have been following this healer, troublemaker, heretic, prophet, teacher. And some have been there since the very early days. They've been witnesses to this fantastic experience of walking alongside this strange and wonder-working rabbi. And among the inner circle is Peter, who we've talked about already this morning. Pesky, persistent Peter, always with his hands up or his hands out. Hey, what about this? Oh, I'll do it. I'll say it. Peter's so reliable, you can always count on him for outlandish outbursts. And it's amazing how wrong, but then how right Peter can be. Remember that time when Jesus said, Blessed are you, Simon, son of John, for flesh and blood have not revealed this to you, but my Father in heaven. Can you just imagine Peter going, Thank you very much. Thank you very much, Jesus. Anything else I can do for you? And now the time has come in this tumultuous time of ministry for the disciples and for Jesus. All these pressures coming, political, religious, economic, social pressures. And then in the midst of it all, Jesus is talking about leaving, going away by himself and assuring everyone that this is a very necessary part of the mission. And so now you see Peter ramp up his audacity level even higher. He cries out, Lord, where are you going? And Jesus answers, where I am going, you cannot follow. But you will follow afterward. Peter says, Lord, why can't I follow you now? I will die for you. Will you lay down your life for me? Says Jesus. Very truly, I tell you, before the rooster crows, you will have denied me three times. And we imagine that scene fading to black. Because in today's story, the angry mob of religious militants have taken Jesus away to the court of Caiaphas. And Peter, following the crowd, he can't believe that Judas has denied and betrayed Jesus. And so Peter runs with the crowd, and we can imagine that maybe he's thinking, I'll prove a friend to Jesus. I would die for him. I'll speak up for him. I'll stand by his side. But as he approaches the courtyard, his noble aspirations fade. He meets the reality of the moment. He hears angry shouts from the crowd. He sees the swords and the shields and the armor of local security and personnel. He sees the religious leaders who've been persecuting his friends and his family, and they're now pointing fingers and shouting out orders. And Peter says, well, maybe I'll keep this to myself a little longer. Peter on the journey to becoming a failed disciple. And before we wag our fingers at Peter or say, tut, tut, aren't we like Peter? 
we can name our failures too. We make promises. We have aspirations, spiritual aspirations. And sometimes we make the grade and we nail it. And other times we fail miserably. We know that we aren't always the disciple that we aspire to be. And so that's why it's so comforting. Every week we pray this confession prayer in our order of service, confessing that we blow it and that we are prone to wander. But then being assured of grace and mercy. And during the season of Lent, we give ourselves days and weeks to ponder our faith and our failures, to consider what it means to humbly be a disciple what it means to be human, but also what it means to be the beloved. And we need that belovedness because today we stand next to Peter in this rock-bottom moment on this horrible night. And we're reminded that God's love isn't dependent on us, dependent on our successes or our capacity to be excellent or even good disciples. The good news is that God loves failed disciples. And we're going to try to press in deeper to that story and that good news today through a spiritual practice called guided meditation. And I trust some of you who are in the sanctuary today or watching online have practiced this spiritual practice. But we're going to do it together as a group, a community of disciples, learning and listening together, entering deeper into this story, being reminded once again that we are not alone. So I want you to quiet your hearts. We've been, I think we've been preparing the way for this. Breathing, sitting, we're getting comfortable in the place that you are sitting today whether it's in the sanctuary or in the comfort of your home. And if you feel comfortable, I invite you to close your eyes even through this guided meditation part. Breathe in. Breathe out. Again, if you're comfortable, close your eyes. Twyla is going to help be a second voice in this guided meditation. And once the meditation has completed, after a few minutes, Gerald will play a short piece as we continue to reflect. Let's breathe. Close your eyes if you're comfortable and enter in. There's a chill in the air. The courtyard servants have built a large open fire and people are drawn to that warmth. You are standing near the fire. Your mind racing. Your friend Jesus has just been arrested. And you and a handful of followers have come to this place where he is being kept. The crowd is restless. Some are unruly. Some are even Hostile. What is it like to be in this place? How are you feeling?
Within this huddle, there's temple police, peers, strangers. A woman glances over at Peter. She stares at him and points at him. She whispers something next to the woman near her. She knows who Peter is. What if she knows who you are? Are you safe? She moves closer to Peter, her friend leaning in behind her. She says, you are one of Jesus' followers. Peter turns to her and denies it. No, I am not. Watch Peter's expression. Watch the woman's reaction. One of the guards overhears the conversation. Yes, you are, he declares. I've seen you with that man they call Jesus. Peter responds, you are mistaken. No, I am not. Look at Peter's face. Another voice, this time a witness to Peter when he was madly waving his sword in the garden of betrayal. It is you. I saw you in the garden with him. No, Peter says sternly. Now get away from me. He shoves them aside and walks away, moving from the light of the fire into the shadows. A rooster crows. Look at Peter. He's heard the rooster and is stopped in his tracks. You remember Jesus. When Jesus shared his words at dinner, Jesus' prediction that Peter would deny him three times before the rooster crowed. None of you, including Peter, thought that it would ever happen. Peter is one of Jesus' closest confidants. How can this be happening? What a wild and terrible night. It's hard to believe what you've just seen. Your mind replays the words and the scenes of Peter's denial. Walk over to Peter. Sit with him. Listen to Peter as if you were listening to a friend. He asks you if you've ever done something like this. What have I done? Who am I? Respond to Peter 
if you can, with a story or with empathy, let him know that you are with him in this moment. Let him know that he is not alone. Sit with him. Be still. I invite you back to be present to one another in our sanctuary or wherever you are sitting today. Be mindful that Jesus abides with us and thank Jesus for his companioning presence. Come back gently. Open your eyes if you still have them closed. Breathe. And be grateful for grace upon grace. As we continue to journey in these Lenten days, let our posture be open. We started that last week, this idea of an open posture versus trying to be a fixer or a scrambler or a proving I am right-er. It's allowing Jesus to love us to the very end and us dwelling 
receiving, hearing, and remembering the promises that are waiting for us, even in the midst of places of denial, disappointment, when we feel like we've lost our way. As Peter lingered in the cold, dark shadows that night, was he able to recall those promises that Jesus had shared just five hours earlier at the table with friends in the upper room? These promises are waiting for all of us. Promises of mercy, generosity. In our Bibles, if you read that upper room story in the Gospel of John from chapter 14 up until today's text in chapter 18, there are no less than 39 promises of Jesus assuring his disciples and us of his presence. We're going to send out all 39 of those promises in our news and notes email this week. So you'll see those, or you can send me an email if you want to receive those. But I want to offer just one promise out of those 39. And perhaps Peter clung to that promise as he longed to be consoled on that dark and terrible night. In the midst of his anxious heart, He was longing to be the beloved of Jesus. And perhaps this promise ministered to him by the presence of the Spirit and will minister to us. Jesus saying, I've said these things to you so you will have peace in me. In the world you have distress, but be encouraged. I have overcome the world. O friends of Jesus, do not labor or toil in vain. Do not be burdened or heavy laden. Come to Jesus. Find rest for your weary souls.